Welcome to Green Mountain Disability Stories, a monthly show featuring stories told by Vermonters with disabilities and their families about their experiences, opinions, and the systems that support and thwart them. In this episode, we're excited to welcome Michelle Streeter to the show. Michelle is mom to Ocean and April Streeter, two siblings you met in episode 20 when Ocean talked about having cerebral palsy and autism. Now, Michelle talks about what it's been like to provide support and guidance for a child with a disability as they navigate the transition to adulthood, post-secondary education, and independent living. Michelle Streeter is also a family resource consultant for the Vermont Interdisciplinary Team, or I-Team, up in the Northeast Kingdom. Let's listen. Welcome to another episode of Green Mountain Disability Stories. My name is Audrey Homan, and I produce this show for the UVM Center on Disability and Community Inclusion. That's at the University of Vermont. Today, we are lucky enough to have with us Michelle Streeter, and she's going to tell us a little bit about her connection to CDCI and to this show. Michelle, would you mind introducing yourself, please? Absolutely. Um, yes. Hi. Thanks, Audrey. Um, I am Michelle Streeter, and I am a family resource consultant for the Vermont I team. I work in the Northeast Territory, uh, the Northeast Kingdom um, of Vermont. I'm one of four FERCs that uh, work on the uh, the Vermont I team um, and uh, support families. And FERC stands for Family Resource Consultant. Yes, Family Resource Consultant. Thank you. Awesome. Can you tell me a little bit what you specifically do as a family resource consultant for the Vermont I-Team? Well, I can, let's see. It's, um, so as a family resource consultant, I work with the family part of the Vermont I-Team. So the Vermont I-Team um, is an interdisciplinary team that works with schools, with families that have children with complex health needs. The family resource consultant works with the family of the children that work that um, in the on the I team. Um, so my role is basically to support the families in um, whatever they need in terms of maybe um, medical um, appointments, um, funding for respite. Uh, care coordination, maybe at, at a doctor's office, somebody to help them pull all their appointments together. I am not that person, but I will help them find that person. Um, you know, basically I, you know, at the beginning of the year, I try to, I reach out to my families and I listen and I explain what I do. And then I wait and I see what needs come up. I attend all IEP meetings. Um, and sometimes I glean from those meetings what um, the families are looking for. Um, I network, help families network and connect with other parents because I think that is really important. Um, and basically just try to be that support. Um, if I tell my families, if there are things that you need, ask if I can help you, I certainly will. And a big part of my role is finding that resource and, and, and just, you know, helping them navigate through that. That sounds like a lot, but also like you're doing a lot of work to support families in Vermont. It's our goal. 
and and you know we do what we can and i love it i love it especially um being a parent of a child with a disability who is now 30 um and have been through um a lot and and have navigated a lot through the years it feels really good to be able to share that with other families and hopefully to really help them so in your role as a family resource consultant for the Vermont I-Team, can you tell me a little bit about what some of the collaboration looks like for you, especially with other organizations or individuals, you know, within the Northeast Kingdom community? Sure. Um, I feel like a big part of my job is that collaboration piece because we are isolated and then we don't have as many resources to draw from, but we do have the, the bridge program um, that I work with those folks. Sometimes we share children um, and we can talk about what opportunities I might be able to provide or research and we can kind of tag team together. Often what I'll do is I'll refer my families to the bridge program um, if they're looking for care coordination or help with social security, SSI, um, and they're and, and they also have funding, so they're really they're really a great organization to be a part of if you have a child with a complex health need. Um, and there's also Vermont Family Network, who I um, just I, I use so often to recommend. Um, uh, they, they have a, a, a great respite fund. They have other grant opportunities. Um, they help to connect parents. So it's just, those are two of the organizations that I feel very lucky to be connected with and that I highly recommend um, and are, are so lucky to have up here in the Northeast Kingdom. Um, there's also an advocate that works for um, VFN up here in the Northeast Kingdom that uh, I have done some uh, parent nights with or last year we I did a, a few parent chats um, which I hope to get going again either this year or next year to kind of connect families um, and she was a part of it so you know bridging those organizations and and us all working together I think is um, really helps me in my my position. I'm glad you brought that up because one of the many reasons we asked you to come on the show is because you are mom to Ocean Streeter, who previously appeared on our show with her sister, April. Now, how has your role as mom to a Vermonter with a disability informed your work for the I-Team? That's another really loaded question. <laughs> um, just in terms of having the empathy and compassion for parents that are going through what I had been through or what I continue to go through, um, you know, just being able to share my story and any hints or tips that helped me along the way um, is probably the biggest way it has informed my position. So if you're comfortable with it, would you tell us about Ocean's birth and your experience of their diagnoses? And before we do that, I want to pause here and let our audience know that Ocean is aware her mom's coming on this show to talk about all of this. And Ocean has given her approval for telling this story. Consent and ownership are important parts of every family's disability story. And we want to make sure we're acknowledging that. Michelle, over to you. Okay, 
Um, so I love telling Ocean story. And so, <laughs> um, so Ocean was our first child and I was 26 weeks pregnant. Actually, I take that back. I was 24 weeks, uh, baby was 24 weeks gestation when my water broke prematurely. And so rushed off to the hospital on bed rest for 10 days in Burlington. Um, and every day we were told that every day you could keep that baby in every day that baby would get stronger. I had beta, uh, beta methadone shots. I was on bed rest, tried to remain positive. And 10 days later, Ocean was born. Ocean was a pound and a half at birth. And um, I remember being asked that evening if we wanted to aggressively keep Ocean alive. And certainly we, we did. And Ocean was in the NICU. Um, for two and a half months on the respirator at that time. At that time, sorry, in uh, two and a half months later was sent to the fifth floor for one month and finally was able to come home weighing six pounds, nine ounces. And so um, that was really um, a special awakening to our journey. Um, you know, I, I remember we, we were as positive as we could be. We were scared to death, but we had really great supports and the NICU was amazing. Um, one thing that happened in the NICU, well, many things that happened, but one thing that was just being introduced was something called skin to skin. And I believe they still do that now where they take the baby on the res respirator, the tube, and they place the very tiny baby on your chest and you bond with the baby, and so that was um, that was amazing. And to this day, we have a very, very close bond. Um, and so, at that time, we knew that Ocean was probably going to have some um, some complications, and did have actually a lot of complications. Um, one we were most concerned with was uh, was retinas and and detaching retinas from the lack of oxygen. We knew there could be some brain injury. Um, there was respiratory, uh, oceans lung collapsed more than once. Um, being on a respirator is not, not a, is not great for a developing baby. But um, if you have seen the podcast from before, you will know that ocean is now 30 and breathes just fine. <laughs> so we, we call ocean our miracle baby. So when Ocean came on the show, they talked about being diagnosed with cerebral palsy and then later with autism and how those disabilities have informed some of the challenges they've faced getting accommodations and services and support. But what was your role like as Ocean's mom in getting Ocean those accommodations, services and support? So actually, my role was it was very easy when Ocean was diagnosed with cerebral palsy, we were immediately hooked up. And even before, you know, as a as a premature baby with our doctor, we were immediately hooked up with the family center in Morrisville and early intervention and physical therapy. And we we had this really great support really from from eight months on. We had a physical therapist who became like family because she was she became part of our family. I, we felt very supported and I felt that, you know, from 
preschool, we got the, you know, we, once the IEP was in place, Ocean had has had a para right on through high school. Um, we've had really good folks in special ed. So I never felt, you know, I certainly had to advocate, but I always felt supported. And I always felt that I could ask for supports that weren't happening or were or needed to happen. Um, so that 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 piece was was pretty smooth. I will have to say, then Ocean went to uh, college. Ocean graduated um, high school and um, went to Landmark College in Putney. And we thought, okay, this is going to be great because Landmark College is a college for um, neurodivergent learners, and we thought. This is going to be this is going to be the the perfect fit. But what we didn't realize was that there was still that big social piece that in high school, you know, we we worked with the special educator. We did some, you know, not really social groups, but you know, we we tried to work with peers and and help Ocean make connections. But there was that autism piece that was never diagnosed because through high school we thought well this is okay we know ocean has challenges and and uh has an iep and and it's pretty comprehensive and what else would we be getting well i, I you know i didn't know what i didn't know and and what we trusted and so Actually, I did ask the special educator and she kind of said the same thing. Well, we are, you know, we're, we're working with Ocean's social challenges. That was great in high school. And so once we got to Landmark, which was a phenomenal school, it just did not meet the needs of Ocean. Ocean was lonely. Ocean was having a hard time connecting. And there, there wasn't that, again, social support. So um, Ocean did, I think, two years at Landmark. Um, and, and did get some really great organizational skills. So there are a lot of good things that came out of it, but we just realized it was, we needed more. And I, I went to the DA and I said that our designated agency, and they said, no, we're ready. We need some more support. We need some, maybe some community support. We need some social group. We need, we need more. And they said, well, Ocean doesn't have a developmental disability. Ocean has an orthopedic impairment. And I said, but no, you have not met Ocean. You'll understand, no, sorry. But... And so that's when my husband and I realized that we needed to pursue uh, the, um, the autism diagnosis. And so we did. And I remember going to see Dr. Workman in Burlington. I sat with Ocean. Ocean was fine with having me right there. And um, it was just so obvious to me within the first 10 minutes that maybe we missed something really important. And so we got the autism diagnosis and we went back to the DA and I said, great, but you know what? You need one more thing. We have to make sure that Ocean is not, is that this is affecting, Ocean is not able to be independent and, and, and adapt and, and that there is an impact on his on their life. And so I was interviewed by a psychologist. And in fact, yes, we passed that gate. And so Ocean was granted the developmental disability. Well, 
had a developmental disability, OCEAN was granted services at our designated agency. And that was a turning point because after Landmark College, we went to Linden State College we were able to get some support. Linden State College turned out not to be the best fit again for Ocean. So that was a little short lived. There were some other health issues going on. And then we quickly went to Johnson State College. The Human Services in Newport is, is the designated agency. They were amazing. They said, well, we're gonna, we're gonna send, we're gonna send service providers to Johnson. We're gonna help. It was amazing. It was so great. And um helped with Ocean had a, an apartment like in the second year, helped with teaching, you know, laundry and house cleaning and, and food and making lists and more of that organization piece. And, and Ocean also does not drive. So that was a huge help with transportation. Um, so that is a very long answer to how I helped with getting the, the um, accommodations and, and the supports that OSHA needed. But and th that's the thing, right? It's, it is a journey. And I'm sure there are things that we will continue to learn that are, that are in OSHA's best interest, but those were the big ones. Thank you for that. What for you as a mom was the most challenging part of that whole process? Gosh, um, I, you know, it, it's frustrating when you have to wait and you, you really think you know what's best for your child, but you know, there are, there's red tape and there are, there's, there's waiting time. And, um, I think, I think it's just a little frustrating. I think that was the hardest part. I think that the folks I worked with were always, you know, had, had best intentions, but it takes time. Yeah. You know, when, when, you, when your child is suffering, you don't really have that time. Now let's flip the flip that coin over and ask, what was the most satisfying part for you of the whole process? I think that the people that we met really it, that support and people that really do want to help you um, we've met some really great folks and we've learned a lot amazing yeah. so because you've gone through that whole process with ocean what's one piece of advice you could offer to other families who are maybe just starting out trying to get those accommodations and services for their child I guess, you, you know, you just have to persevere. Um, and I think networking helps. I think, you know, it, you know it, it can be very isolating. Um, so, you know, network with other parents that have children with disabilities. I think that's, that's huge. And, and just persevere and, you know, just know that you know best as a parent. Now, you got to be a mom who watched their their child get successfully through a post-secondary degree. Can you tell me a little bit about what that was like? How involved were you in Ocean's journey there? 
fairly involved. Um, you know, again, we're very close. I'm not taking Ocean's credit because Ocean worked very hard and 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 accessed a lot of great services. But we have a very strong connection. And so, you know, we we stayed in touch a lot. And um, you know, we were proud of every my husband and I and, and family of you know, every celebration. Um we visited quite often. We were interested in Ocean's writing and, and Ocean's projects and um, homework and, um, and and social connections. Amazing. Um, was there any part of, of Ocean's journey through post-secondary education that you wished had been different? Yes. Um, you know, it, socially, again, I think, and, and Ocean will tell you that, you know, that's the hardest part of, of I think, of, of Ocean's. In, in, it's hard, it's hard when you're in your 20s, and you're trying to connect with, with peers. Anyway, and, and yeah. having ASD, if I could have, if I could have made it easier for Ocean to have more social groups or more peer interact interaction, um, and just more time with peers and understanding peers, that's what I would have changed. And and it was not for lack of trying, but I think so, it would have made a definite difference. So. Ocean shared in the, their episode that they're now in an independent living situation. Mm-hmm. How has that how's that worked out for you? It seems that to, from listening to Ocean that it's working pretty darn well for her. But I wanted to hear from you as like what it was like for you as the mom navigating that situation and, and helping support Ocean with that. It's a pretty big step. It's a it's a big step, and and I I won't get into our we've had you know we we've tried a, a lot of things right in like right after college and having their own apartment in college and then having their own apartment in Burlington and and trying to to hook up with supports right after COVID which was horrible and you know it and Ocean will tell you it was kind of a, a very bad time in their lives and and so they came home from Burlington and we thought hmm, okay Ocean we know you want to live independently but you know, here we are in the Northeast Kingdom in the middle of nowhere, you don't drive and we work and it's it's tricky. And I, I as a mom and maybe as a resource consultant, am really good at digging up alternative opportunities. And so I came across Green Mountain Support Service online and I thought, hmm, it's an agency we haven't tapped in. It's not around here, it's in Marisville, but I'm gonna give them a call. and. It was somewhat short of a miracle. I called and the intake person said, oh, you're looking for a, a home for, for Ocean. Um, it's really, really interesting that you called today. And this is, this is a true story because I was just talking to a gentleman who has a, a shared living provider opportunity open for somebody Ocean's age. And I think it might be a good fit. And I thought, Oh my gosh, this is a miracle. And and it really and it really was. It it took us a while to pull it together, but it was perfect for Ocean. And so now Ocean is living in Hyde Park with a gentleman who has a has a house. Ocean lives in an apartment attached to the house. 
and has a couple meals a week with this gentleman and um, goes has activities um, that he'll he'll do with him and also has a respite worker. So the respite worker will take Ocean to do laundry and to do grocery shopping. Um, and we are also working now with hireability because Ocean is ready to. Ocean has done a lot of volunteering, but yeah, at the library, Ocean is, loves the library. is a writer, loves to write. Um, so we don't know what the job is going to look like the first time out of the gate, but we're hoping that that's going to happen relatively soon. Um, and I, I think that will just fill out Ocean's really very, um, very busy and active life. That sounds amazing. I'm I'm so excited for them to to get more access to the library and explore, you know, working mm -hmm. at the library. You you mentioned that you live in the Northeast Kingdom, and for folks who are outside of Vermont who are tuning into this show, the Northeast Kingdom is a very, very rural area of Vermont. It is separated from, say, the cities of Burlington and Montpelier by a lot of mountains and a single lane road. Can I ask, <laughs> do you think that there's anything about being in such a rural area that either worked for or was more challenging for you as a family negotiating access to services? Okay, um, well, in terms of accessing services, we are very um, lucky to have Northeast Kingdom Human Services I feel that they're small enough and maybe, you know, because we are in a smaller area, um, they were really wonderful. We had really great people. There are great people everywhere, but there are really great people in Northeast Kingdom. And I think it's a smaller community and, and maybe that is that well, I feel a little more connected. So that was a positive. Um, and then, you know, there's a lot of job shadowing that Ocean did. And again, like in the community, it's a smaller community and you, you tend to know more people. So that was a positive um, in terms of people supporting Ocean and just knowing Ocean. But then, um, you know, of course, we are so isolated and we don't have the resources that, say, Burlington would have Um you know, there are that we just we just can't. We're just too far and too separate. And so there's a there's a great sense of isolation. And and I think parents who want their children and to be connected and they want to be connected just maybe have to work a little harder. I don't know, maybe that's not true. But I I feel like in making connecting those dots, you know, um and and we have three children and and none of them really wish to be in the northeast kingdom at this time because it's it's tough you know it's a lot of driving and um but it's a it's an absolute beautiful place to live in and ocean loves coming home to visit but that's amazing. Yeah, I, I I love the northeast kingdom and and how rural it is. It's a really special place. Mm -hmm. So I want to be respectful of your time. So I'm going to wrap it up with one last question. And that is, what's one thing you wish everyone knew about being a mom to a kid with a disability? Hmm. Well, just one thing. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have a, a couple of things. Whatever you um, feel would be helpful to share. I, well, I just think that if you, when you meet a parent, 
with a child with a disability, you're meeting somebody who is self-educated and in, in, in their child's disability, they're compassionate, they're tenacious. You know, there's, you know, every parent has challenges, but I think when you layer it with a person, a, 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 a child with a disability, these parents are working really hard, learning a lot. They're not, they don't give up. Um, they're strong and, and they have compassion and they're really interesting people. And, and, you know, I, I and, and I don't say that for myself. I, I see, I see the parents that I, I work with and um, I learn something new from them all the time. And they don't get the credit, I don't think, always. You know, I, we may want to cut that. I don't know, Audrey. <laughs> I loved it. I, I love it. I think I think it makes a lot of sense. And I think it's, that's a beautiful sentiment to, to help us, you know, kind of remember. I think that right now we're, as a society and maybe as a world, we're having a lot of trouble remembering to um, put ourselves in other people's shoes mm -hmm. and you know, make those connections based on empathy and based on the the sort of implicit understanding that we all need to have that everyone is is working with challenges that that we all we each of us know nothing about. So I yeah, you're right. This pa parents of, of kids with disabilities aren't getting enough credit for the education that they're doing to to, you know, educate themselves about their, right. their skills. Yeah. And it's not just education too, right? It's um, advocating is huge and it's not easy. It's not, and it, it's easier for some than others. And it, it wasn't always easy for me. It was, and, and that's huge. And I, I think that schools understand that for the most part, but it's really important to put yourself in that place because, yeah. I mean, advocating for any child is is tough, but when you know what you know, the parent knows best. So, indeed, they do. <laughs> Michelle Streeter, thank you so much for coming on the show and for talking with me about Ocean and about your own journey being there with Ocean. I really appreciate your time and you sharing your expertise. Well, Audrey, thank you very much for having me. It has been a pleasure and I love to share my story. So thank you. You've been listening to Green Mountain Disability Stories, a monthly show featuring stories told by Vermonters with disabilities about their experiences, opinions, and the systems that support and thwart them in the Green Mountain state of Vermont. You can watch episodes here on YouTube or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Google Play Store, or wherever you get your podcasts. Huge thanks to Michelle Streeter and to Ocean Streeter for this episode. We loved working with you both. The music for this episode is Waves Are Beautiful Only When They Break by Soul June, licensed under Creative Commons 3.0. You can find full transcripts of every episode and more at go.uvm.edu slash green mountain disability stories. 
Thanks for listening.